Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective. We again today are visited by Sheriff John Knowles. We're going to jump back into that conversation we were having yesterday after some inspiration. The inspiration is Super Bowl Light, Ephesians 5. We're still in Ephesians, folks. Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, Ephesians 5, 8. For many years, a friend of mine attended the Super Bowl as a journalist to gather interviews with Christian athletes and NFL personnel for a faith-based radio program. He told me that when he first started covering the game, he grew disillusioned with the self-serving, pleasure-seeking atmosphere of Super Bowl week. I found it to be very, very dark, a dark place, he said. One day he told a former NFL player, a Christian, how he was feeling. The athlete said to him, brother, you are being a light in this dark place. That comment reminded my friend why he was there, and it helped renew his excitement for serving God in a place where the light of the gospel is needed. It spurred him to shine his light. Perhaps you work in a setting where God is not acknowledged, faith is mocked, and godless living is applauded. Maybe it feels like a very dark place. Ask God to help you be the light, Ephesians 5.8. Through your smiles, kind words, and deeds, and diligent work, you may be the only light a co-worker sees today by Dave Brennan. Dear Father, let us be the light. We need to shine. We need to show the truth and be honest with the world around us about our faith, what that faith and the foundations of that spiritual belief brings us to. In Jesus' name, amen. We ended our conversation yesterday. I had to pull you back in today because you brought up policing and the fact that we don't have law enforcement out there. You know, we, we talked about the, the gun rights issue and how they're constantly being attacked in Olympia, but more of our deaths are happening in our streets and on our highways and because of the drug epidemic. And uh, you brought up traffic patrols. And I have to tell you, I have to look at my speedometer to make sure I'm not driving like 10 or 15 over the speed limit now because that's what everybody's doing. It used to be you take your five. I remember as a teenager, I'd walk my dog and I'd sit down at, in the evening with the sheriff's deputy that would sit at the bottom of our street next to a main arterial. And he said, you know, it's kind of a slope right there. I, I normally give him like 10 or 11 and then pull them over. But, you know, sometimes it's nine if they look like they're driving weird. And I was like, okay, well, now officers, basically there's an officers out there giving you your five over your 10. People are just 15, 20, whatever, because law enforcement's too busy. We don't have enough law enforcement. And we had interim police chief Justin Lundgren in, and he told me that we are 51st in the nation on law enforcement coverage. Yeah, we're 51st in the nation if you look at officers per thousand. So that the national average, so just the average, is 2.4 officers per thousand. Washington State in 2022 was 1.4 officers per thousand, so a full officer per thousand below what the national average we was. We have more fentanyl overdose per thousand than we have law enforcement. Uh, I think so, um, which is not it's very frustrating. I know I, I kind of laughed, but it was not a, it was a, a distressed laugh. But um, but I will tell you, we actually went lower for our officers per thousand in the state of Washington in 2023, we lost more police officers than we were able to hire. Kind of the, the political climate towards police officers is to thank for that. Um, Washington what, what state has become it, a well-known um, poor, West Coast poor environment for, for cops. Yeah, it's West Coast politics. It's coming out <clears throat> of the big cities. It's the anti-policing. And really, right. it seems like it's it's pushed by 
the criminal element and, and more or less the drug cartels because they don't want the law enforcement snooping around. Well, it, it, is, it is well known that our legislators are doing everything they can to take away law and order in the state of Washington. They're handcuffing the police, and it's all based on a, a lie that police are untrustworthy, that we have done something to not maintain public trust, which I, I dare you to find evidence of us doing that here in the state of Washington, um, you know, and particularly here locally. I think we have some of the most honorable men and women. But I, I will tell the, the people of Spokane that when I was working in the traffic unit here in Spokane County, so I, I was actually assigned to the traffic division, and I worked uh, swing shift traffic, and at the time, in Spokane County in 2003, I think, 2001 to 2003, we had 23 people assigned to just the traffic unit. So we were in the patrol division, but we were assigned specifically to traffic. It should alarm people that because of our demand for services, demand for resources, and our lack of personnel and a lack of investment over time, I might have nine people in my traffic unit now between the city of Spokane Valley, who is staffed a little higher than we are in the unincorporated uh, Spokane County. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the we, city of Spokane has no traffic. Right. Police they, right they've now. had no. to move them out of there. And, th- and there is our neighborhood resource officers for the most part, too, which is tragic. Um, that is one of my goals here in the county well, is to institute a neighborhood resource deputy program. Because it helps neighborhoods it, deal with the drug houses. It helped us deal with the local crime that people see. You, you know, the the feds want to do this big political campaign and spend all this money buying the media. I mean, doing advertising by saying, if you see something, say something to who? Right. You know, I'm, right. I'm not beating up on you as a no, law I know. I know exactly just, what you're saying. I you're agree busy. with you. I understand you've got a, a murder scene you're on. You've got a tragic accident, a fatality accident somewhere. You've got other things going on that you, you know, I shouldn't call you for a cat in the tree. Right. I, I understand. And, and we, we are so stretched for resources that it's really hard for us to do the things that really do connect law enforcement back to their community. I talk to, to people about this all the time. Um, and by the way, just, just so that people know that the sheriff's office right now we have, I think we're authorized for about 264 full-time employees. Now that's commission members. We're authorized for uh, some civilian members above and beyond that. But for the areas that I serve, Spokane Valley, Deer Park, Medical Lake, the unincorporated Spokane County, we are staffed right now at about 094 officers per thousand so the state the the state average is 1.3 we're at 0.94 i would have and the state average we're 51st in the nation first in the nation which means even dc has more police officers per thousand everybody including dc has more officers per thousand in the state of washington and we have almost a half of an fte lower in the spokane county sheriff's office than the people i serve i would have to add 136 uh, full-time commissioned employees to get up to the state average. That's the state so, average. To get to the national to, average, you'd have to double your force. I'd have to double that. Well, correct. So 136, and the bill for that with you know benefits, everything like that, is approaching $20 million annually. Is well, what you know, we would have to add to what's already approaching a yeah. 60-something million dollar budget. Well, if we weren't spending five to $700,000 on every single homeless person, drug addict that's on our streets, because that's what we've spent in Washington State. If you look at federal money, 
state money, local money, and then other nonprofits and things. It's insane where the money's going. And I just wanted to pull this up again because uh, I brought it up with your 0.9 officers per 100,000 yeah. residents. 0.94. 0.94 per 100,000 yeah. is what that is? Yeah. Or is it point per point thousand? Nine, point 0.94 per thousand. Per thousand. Okay. Yeah. I brought up the opioid epidemic. And so the overdoses per 100,000 was 4.1 to 5.4. Well, actually, that's in surrounding areas. Spokane County was uh, five and a half to seven overdose deaths per 100,000. Per 100,000. So if so you, I mean, that's a lot. it's point oh. that means point oh five. So we're, I mean, we're not, but mathematically, we're mathematically, not exceeding that. But but we're still falling but, behind. But it's bad. We're and, f- but we're falling behind because you said that this condition is con- it's continuing worse. to decline. It's declining. And, and one thing I will say, research has shown over and over, um, and I actually gave this research paper to Senator Billig uh, just before Christmas, just so he understood what we're facing, um, because I'm just tired of the attacks on law enforcement from the state legislature. When you keep arresting the but, same people, the, the citizens, for some reason, decided not to build uh, an adequate jail for this population that we have, because it's totally wholly inadequate. So you're arresting the same people over and over. Over and over again. So what this research showed is, and this was over a 20 plus year time period, is that every 10 police officers you add to a community, it reduces the homicides by one, which is interesting because in the, the the paper recently, they talked about all the homicides that occurred in Spokane County. So for every 10 police officers you add, it showed, and it is a, it is a causal relationship, not correlational, a causal relationship. You reduce a homicide by one for every 10. In communities of color, it doubles that. It doubles that. Well, I did a little bit of a special on our show about pedestrian deaths because there was a big newspaper article and stuff having to do with that. And really, a lot of the pedestrian deaths is because of drugs, alcohol, people on their cell phones, and people on their screens in their vehicles. Those are all distracted driving that law enforcement could have something to do with. And our delusional government, sorry, I know you're part of it, but uh, (laughs) our delusional government seems to think that green patches of paint in the road are going to help things. And you know what? Most people don't even know what those green patches of paint are. I was just talking to a coworker about that. I was like, you drive through downtown, you see those green patches of paint, and he's like, oh, yeah, it makes me so mad. And I'm like, just, wow, okay, (laughs) green patches make me, do you even know what they are? And he's like, oh, yeah, it made me so mad I had to look into it. And I I got even more mad because- well, this, They're painting over potholes. So we have horrible roads. You're dodging the potholes and you hit a pedestrian, right? But I think it goes back to what we talked about in the previous episode. Why are they why are they painting sidewalks green when they when everybody knows, like a reasonable person knows that that's not going to stop anything from happening? Yeah. Because they don't know how to change human behavior now, because we have to change behavior which means we might have to hold somebody Sheriff accountable John Knowles, i've <laughs> got to tell you there's a new idea there's artificial intelligence and because the local schools want more of our money this election cycle some of that money is going to end up being spent on ai signs that are going to see if you're distracted driving and there's going to be a sign down the road so if you're on your cell phone this ai is going to see you and then two blocks from there in a school zone it's going to remind you to get off your cell phone as if you were looking for the sign it's 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 total stupidity because these signs i wish government would see the sign right was the real problem is accountability the real problem is having people to hold people accountable and modeling the behavior, right? And, right. And I, you know, I, I had a, I have my youngest son just got into probably what is his third or fourth accident since he turned 16. And every time 
we've had to have stricter and stricter repercussions for these accidents. And and this last one, he totaled a car. Everything else had been minor up to that, but this one he totaled a car. And you know what? He's paying for it. He I I did not solve this problem for him. I've got a kid who's in school. He's a college kid. He's doing really well. Smart kid, but he's not driving so well. And so, so I've had to hold him. A, I've had to hold him accountable. You're talking about a to time change span his of behavior. Years. You're talking about a time span yeah. of years. But these things but catch it's not up sinking with you. through. And yeah. and so I, finally, I had to put my foot down and say, I cannot bail you out on this anymore. It's not my responsibility to. There are some real repercussions for your actions, and and I love you, son, but you're going to have to be the one that fixes this. That's I right. can't. I, I can't afford to. I won't afford to. And you're not learning. And so we we as a as a society, we as leaders in our communities, we as leaders in our homes have to start saying enough is enough. People have to change behavior and we have to let them be uncomfortable yeah. while they're learning to change their behavior if it's having negative effects well, on it, other people. And it can be as simple as, okay, a bumper sticker that says, does anyone use their turn signal? Doesn't make people use their turn signals. It's law enforcement that says that guy just cut that guy off. He didn't use his turn signal. He's getting an infraction. He knows that we're watching. And that's why we have these laws to keep our community safe. But it also goes to the fentanyl issue. All the way it goes from the very simple thing as a turn signal to the drug overdose deaths. If we don't hold, I think the, the legislature should be looking at a bill to have a death sentence on fentanyl dealers. I mean, oh, they're killing people I, in our community. I and 100% right now, agree. Right now, their bills, oh, well, they're in prison. They should vote, and they should be on a on a jury of our peers. Well, right. And and the reality of it is, is what has to happen is probably somewhere in the middle. We need to, you know, I'm 100% in favor of a third strike felony for fentanyl possession. I'm 100% in favor of it. I think we'll see it somewhere down the road as soon as well, we the realize. Well, voters approved it. As, all, as soon as what we're realizing, as soon as we realize what we passed last year is just not enough. But not, I would also love to see a minimum mandatory sentence and something fairly significant. I mean, for 10, fentanyl, to 10 to 20 yeah. years for somebody who is selling fentanyl and killing people especially, in our street as a minimum. Especially if you can trace their fentanyl dealing to overdoses. And I'm sure that that's not very difficult to do, but no. there's no reason for law enforcement to even look because there's no criminal penalty beyond just, well, a catch and release program is kind of what we've done, even for dealers. And so that's got to change. And folks, I know the sheriff can't mention this, but I will. There's going to be an initiative coming on the ballot later in the year that we get a vote on, and that is to bring back police pursuit. I think that's a good first step, but we definitely need a lot more law enforcement and less green paint and stupid signs. So tell your schools, no, we don't want your stupid AI signs. Just pull the people over that are speeding in school zones. Very simple. All that being said, we're going to take a break. Thanks for your time today, John. I appreciate it. Thank you. Sheriff Knowles is back out on the beat. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this Wednesday episode. John Knowles, the sheriff, has exited the studio but Shannon has entered the studio. So we I'm have, back. So she did miss our discussion on law enforcement and the things that we were talking about with Sheriff Knowles. And kind of what we were talking about with Sheriff Knowles was more on the law enforcement front and talked about the spirit of America. And, you know, who are we? Do we have foundations of principles of right and wrong? And I don't think we do. I don't think we do. I'm just going to pull out a random kind of an article here. This came out in Sunday's paper. 
this last Sunday, Gonzaga Climate Institute receives 1.1 million grant to launch Smoke Ready Spokane project. And this is from the Northwest Section Spokesman Review. The Gonzaga Climate Institute, which on Tuesday received a $1.1 million grant from the Environmental Protection Agency to launch the Smoke Ready Spokane project. It hopes to improve the city's resiliency during the region's smoke season and better understand what steps are most needed in the near to midterm. The city-owned community centers will receive the lion's share of the funding to install air quality sensors inside and outside of buildings and create dashboards that show visitors live data from those sensors. It'll improve HVAC systems and filter particulates smaller than 2.5 micrometers. Okay, so it's great. Fine. Let's, let's uh, you know, have better filters for government buildings. But 1.1 million, for one, I didn't know that Gonzaga had a climate institute. Our kids are drowning in college loan debt. Is the Gonzaga Climate Institute actually going to solve? They said smoke season. Smoke season? Do we have a smoke season now, Shannon? Why do we have a smoke season? Because our Department of Natural Resources and on our wild... Our, because we're not accountable for taking care of our forests the way we should. Yeah, we didn't have smoke season when we were growing up. Oh, it's global warming. No, it's not. They're shutting down logging. They're shutting down grazing. They're blocking off all of the roadways so they get overgrown. They can't access the fires to put them out. And we have ir- irresponsible citizenry that start the fires. And for the most part, if you look at the last decade, the smoke season is coming from eco-terrorists that are starting the wildfires. We don't need $1.1 million in the city of Spokane to deal with a smoke season. We need to not have a smoke season. We need $1.1 million for law enforcement to, to go, go after, after the people with the mo- motif cocktails that are starting the fires. And, and other devices. I mean, devices that are set up. They're, they've found devices in the forest where people have set up like magnifying glasses next to piles of wood shavings so that the next time the sun comes out and it's good and hot at the right angle, it starts a fire. The, we need to deal with the eco-terrorists so we don't have a smoke season. All of these politicians are setting up more waste and they're just buying votes. They're hiring people. They're creating, you know, narratives to buy more votes with our tax dollars and they keep taxing us more. Let's look at the city council. They just added another person to the city council to fill the seat that Wilkerson left. Wilkerson became our council president and they had to fill her seat. Did they put someone in the seat that is an expert in law enforcement to find out how we can fund law enforcement so that we actually create safety in our community with proper enforcement of the law? Nope, they didn't get that specialist. Did they get someone that paid attention to spending and the condition of our infrastructure? I bet I bet none of the council members have read the document that I've read on the international standards for paving roadways, specifically to the Northwest. Probably none of them have read it. It's kind of a boring document, but people are tired of the potholes. We pay a lot of money for infrastructure. Let's do it right. Well, no, we didn't get that. Let's see. Who just got elected this last election cycle on the city council on the South Hill? Oh, that's right. An activist from Planned Parenthood. And we basically just hired his coworker. Yes, we did. From Planned Parenthood, who was an activist for Planned Parenthood. And this person, I guess their career previously was resident, activist, something or other. Activist in residence. Well, I guess we should say the individual's name here is Lily Navarrete. And for all I know, 
the individual is a perfectly nice person. You know, there's whatever. I don't know this person. I don't know their background. There was a huge kerfuffle because a couple of the council members wanted to have a larger open discussion about who they were going to appoint. There was like 17 people that applied. They wanted to have, have citizens be able to ask questions of the people that had applied. Right. Kind of have a more open discussion rather than just appointing whoever their best friend was. And obviously that's what they did. Like I said, I don't know who this Lily Navarrete is, but maybe she's a perfectly fine individual. But did we need another individual that is basically foisted onto the council by Planned Parenthood, the firefighters union, the local 29, which by the way is the most, has done the most controversial thing in elections have been fined numerous times for their unethical activities having to do with local elections. So you got Planned Parenthood, Local 29, and I think the local teachers union. So the three entities that basically own the majority of the council already now have another, what was the position that she made money doing as a, as a a working for the the university? Resident activist. In resident activist? Activist in residence. Okay. So obviously that's why college is expensive because we are funding activists in residence at at universities we really need to start seeing people in decision where's your budget professionals the people we have a a hole in our city's budget the state has a hole in their budget i'm sure the county has a hole in its budget why don't we have like efficiency experts i mean if we're not going to have people that are experts in road preservation why are we we're just ending up with more activists and of course elections come around and those same entities that told the council who to hire i'm sure they're they're all good friends why are we not getting independent voices that are actually going to address the concerns that taxpayers want it's just like our, our law enforcement thing all these politicians say that they want to reduce the cost of housing and increase public safety when it comes time for politicians to do something, we end up with less law enforcement. We're 51st in the nation, like we've talked about. And we have less public safety and we have less affordable housing. These people want to raise our taxes, raise our cost of living. Well, I kind of want to go back to this activist and residence thing with EWU. It is a position. It says it's the Gender and Women's and Sexuality Studies Program and the Women's and Gender Education Center are the lead organizers of the Activist in Residence program on the EWU campus. For a ninth year, Activist in Residence will bring an activist to work virtually with EWU students, staff, faculty, and community members during the winter quarter. Now, Lily was the Activist in Residence for 2020, okay, during COVID. The sponsors of this program, the lead sponsors are the Gender and Women's and Sexuality Studies and the Women's and Gender Education Center. The co-sponsors are the American Indian Studies, Africana Studies, Chicana OX Studies, College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences, Disability Studies, Pride Center, Multicultural Center, PJALS, Social Work, Trio McNair Scholars. Okay, so and those the funding are- has been provided by the community Building Foundation, the Smith Barbary Progressive Fund, Sonia Madison, and Sally Winkle. Well, the Smith Barbary Progressive Fund is also Planned Parenthood. It, so, well, they fund it, but, but see, but they also get government grants. They do philanthropy, but a lot of those entities that you mentioned get government funds and they just mash it into these nonprofits and then do all these things that they want to do to push their agendas. The problem is we have way too many agendas playing out 
and that are all activist led. One of their yeah. things that they aim to do through this program is offer students new venues for learning effective organizing tools and methods as future activists, leaders, and community organizers. We're building a leftist, Marxist, social Marxist army when we need to be building bridges. We need to quit dividing our society based upon every single characteristic they can dream up. We need to pave roads. We need law enforcement to, to do something. We have people dying in the streets. And, and that's, you know, that was hyperbolic 10 or 15 years ago. It's not now, unfortunately. We have people dying in the streets. Our schools are ripping us off. We're going to talk about that later this week. Our government institutions are ripping us off for our smoke season right because we just have to expect it we're just going to have massive wildfires because we apparently don't have environmental engineers that know how to create fire breaks and do land management so that we don't have forest fires that grow to enormous sizes oh no but we got city council members that know how to blow smoke that's for sure well yeah they, they know how to direct everybody down every activist path you could go on. And I mean, we're going to talk about public schools uh, later in the week. And well, actually we're t it's tomorrow and uh, Monday we're going to be talking about public schools and the money they're using. And you remember when we were, at, well, you're still on the neighborhood council and uh, I was the chair of the council back then. And we fought, it took like six years. We fought because there's kind of an interesting arterial situation and a curve and, safety for children and crossing guards and we're like we didn't want like a fancy sign with cameras to find people we just wanted to see people slow down so kids could cross the street and and it's kind of a weird thing that drivers were kind of surprised because there's a curve right there we were just looking for a hanging sign that flashes yellow that says crosswalk Right. School zone. There's, there's kids in there the area. There was nothing right. to identify well, on that busy road that it was a school zone. Right. And then the north-south freeway added a whole bunch of traffic from people that don't live in the area. Okay. And so, you know, we just wanted some flashing lights. School district didn't want to do it. They, oh, no, we don't have money for that. They have gobs of money. They didn't want to do it. City didn't want to do it. So we actually had to do a community petition to get them convinced, hey, yes, these people did. want it. We had... Near misses, we had crossing guards whose flags got ripped out of their hands with people's side view mirrors. And, we and had so, kids that almost got hit because cars drove up on the sidewalk to avoid the kids because they're like, Whoa, the kids. there's kids here. Sheesh. So, just flashing lights. It took six years. So, we, I was just talking about patrol in the first half with Sheriff Knowles, and there are a few in the county doing traffic patrols in the city of Spokane. There is zero traffic patrols. Traffic fatalities, we, we had that show a while back, remember, on pedestrian fatalities, you yes. know, people distracted driving. So here it is. This is what you're paying for. This is a smarter public school system. You know, I don't know why we just don't send our, our cell phones to school instead of our kids, and then they can hand the cell phone back to the kids with the programming they want on. I think that's a reality in the future. Lord forbid that it came from my idea. I didn't. It, they're going to do that kind of stuff. So... AI is here to help you drive. This is front page last Monday, Spokesman Review. Personalized safety smart signs are coming soon to Spokane Public Schools to mitigate poor habits. To effectively change traffic safety culture, communities must have a hand in crafting a strategic track and safety plan grounded in a safe system approach, Koffel said. School districts like the Spokane Public Schools 
are powerful allies in this work. To help reduce the risk of dangerous driving in school zones, Spokane Public Schools will use signs called smart signs that can detect speeding, distracted driving, improper seatbelt use in the front seat, and it goes on and on. So this article, we are going to literally have artificial intelligence sensors that are going to look into your driver's seat, you know, look into your car, see if you have your seatbelt, see if you're on your cell phone, see if they think your hands are in the right driving positions or whatever. And then in a block or two, there's going to be a personalized note that says, hey, you get off your cell phone, please. Right. Stupid. You need a law enforcement office there, there to ticket the person that's speeding or using their cell texting while going through the school zone. We're spending money on technology and infrastructure that doesn't solve our problems. And they keep asking for more and more of our money. So, and we're going to talk about that this week. But I know that when I was looking at the voters pamphlet, I didn't read anything about that discussed in the bond request or the levy request. So... Well, this is something that they probably already baked into the cake, and who knows how much money they're going to spend on it. I but don't it sounds w- like we six years just to get cake. flashing lights. So we're going to have AI. I just want teachers to teach our kids. Well, nobody knows how to take a measurement because they don't know fractions, and so they're not going to bake the cake themselves. We'll tell you that. Not educated in this school district at this point in time. It's about the money, folks. They're spending our money in stupid places. We need teachers, educated students, an effective amount of law enforcement to have the communities that we miss, that we're safe without people overdosing on the sidewalks and near our schools. All that being said, we're out of time for today, unfortunately, but just reading the headlines is enough to make me say no to any more money until they start using it in responsible, effective manners. And I'm not talking about another contract for technological distractions. I want results. Bye-bye.